Life is either a daring adventure or nothing at all. Helen Keller. Just a good old boy, trying to be a good old man, out here learning on the fly, trying to do the best I can. Hello, and welcome to the Faithful Fatherhood Podcast. I am Brett Etheridge, joined finally once again by Perry Hughes. Perry is back. Welcome, my friend. Mm-hmm. How are you today? I'm doing fantastic, brother. Hope you are. Uh, I am doing well, but not nearly as well as you appear to be. So (laughs) since we are audio only on this podcast, for those of you who can't see, Perry is set up outside in the middle of Idaho somewhere with this beautiful backdrop of these evergreen trees, sun's coming up, a crisp, clear morning. He's got a puffy coat on though, because it's a little chilly where he is in the morning. So he'll fill us all in on that. But I am insanely jealous looking at your surroundings as I am in my (laughs) traditional office space. It's a joy to be out here, man. It's a blessing and a joy. And, you know, it's really fun to just um, see the diversity of the United States, you know, not only in God's creation and the landscape, uh, but in the people and the cultures. I mean, you know, we're, we're one nation under God, but man, we're diverse, you know, people and, and places. And it's really neat to see it. Number one, number two, show it to my kids. And then number three, experience it with them. It's been, it's been a fun month so far. I'm curious how they are receiving it. And so that's what we want to do. This is, this is really just sort of a check-in. Perry has been without internet. He's been unable to join us. You've heard several episodes in a row where I've had to say up front that Perry is not here, but so-and-so guest is here. And we've had a great time, a ton of incredible guests. I've loved every one of those conversations, but we've missed Perry. And so we just wanted to do a little check-in now that he has some internet. He is not done with his whirlwind trip, but we'll just kind of take stock, kind of a halfway point, a little check-in, hear some stories, hear how things are going, any fatherhood wins what's working, not working, and just sort of get the lowdown from Perry Hughes. So uh, sort of to set the stage and maybe for question number one, uh, have you watched National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation? I mean, it's just classic, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, so yeah. Every, I think everybody in the world has seen it. And if not, you should go check it out. It's, it's, it's funny. But Clark Griswold, right? You, he's got this this idyllic vision in his mind of what this vacation is going to be. And then there's reality. Yeah, and then there's right. so so my yeah. question for you out of the gate, right? We've been talking about this Perry Hughes family adventure for months. I mean, you bought an, a, a camper, you've outfit this camper, you've dreamed about it, you've had this vision of what the summer of 2023 yeah. was going to look like. How close has it been to the vision? And how much has it been to Clark Griswold's reality? Uh, I would say like 95% Clark Griswold reality, bro. <laughs> it has been it has been uh, calamity after calamity from the start, from the start. But I tell you what, man, there – I don't give it away right at the beginning, but there's a lot of great life lessons that can that can come from that. Um, man, I mean, we bought this camper, uh, we we're, you know, Nancy and I are very trusted. We're, we're mid forties, but we're also very trusting people sometimes to a, a fault. And, you know, the guy we bought this camper from was like, yeah, man, it's ready to go, ready to camp, just hop in it and go. We're like stoked. We went and checked it out. Um, you know, looked it over, smoked it over, thought, yeah, we're going to put some paint on the walls, make it look a little pretty, make it our own, but it's good. 
Well, we didn't test every single system in the camper, which duh, bonehead move. We should have tested all the systems, make sure everything works. Uh, but man, I mean, from refrigerator fails to propane leaks, I almost got my face burned off because we were try- I was trying to light the fridge and there would have been a propane leak in there that I didn't, you know, realize the extent of it. And as I'm back there, like hooking it up, you know, and the mechanical side of the thing, uh, this it finally catches in the flame just is like, you know, bam, just like all <laughs> over my face. My father-in-law's there helping me and he's like, oh yeah, you know, maybe we should turn the propane off. I'm like, yeah, let's turn it off. Uh, to plumbing leaks, to we did a shakedown trip to um, Tennessee, uh, East Tennessee. We did a shakedown trip and we found plumbing leaks and we found that Seth's dirt bike is way too small. The dirt bike that I bought for Nancy because I thought it was going to be perfect is way too big. Um, the idea that Ruby is going to ride on the back of my dirt bike with we with me as we ride all these trails in Ro- the Colorado Rocky Mountains was one of the dumbest ideas I've ever had. So we shifted. You know, we did the shakedown trip in Tennessee. We shifted gears. We came home. Within three days, I had taken two dirt bikes to sell. Uh, at the local, my friend, the local mechanic and dirt bike dealer, I had bought two, I bought two electric dirt bikes, one for me, one for Nancy. And I bought a little kid's side-by-side razor for Seth and Ruby to ride in that together. Totally reconfigured the garage in terms of strap, because, you know, you got to strap all these things down to drive them across the country. And, um, and let's see, replaced three faucets, a shower and uh, a couple supply lines were cracked and leaking. Um, two toilet supply lines were cracked and leaking. And so we kind of ghetto fixed those with that like magic tape. Yeah. Have you ever seen that stuff? No, I, I like, yeah, the stuff. Uh, anyway, I kind of have an idea of what you're talking about. I've seen some variations of magic tape. Yeah. So it's just been like that from the, from the gate. I mean, from the gate. Um, but it's been fun. I mean, you know, traveling with, uh, a family of six in a crew cab F four fifty, family of six and a dog. So, you know, it's a pickup truck, bench seat and bench seat. Um, that has definitely proven to be a challenge. We drove three days to get to Colorado Springs. And um by day three, everybody was kind of tired of rubbing elbows with each other. And uh <laughs> we were ready to be on adventure instead of traveling to it. Um, and then we went to this place called Taylor Park, which is like, I don't know if you're familiar with it or not. The Taylor Park Reservoir. Have you ever heard of it? No. Uh, I believe it's called Cottonwood Pass. Yeah. Well, I've uh, been through from- Cotton- I've, yeah. I've driven through Cottonwood Pass. Okay. So you go up and over Cottonwood Pass and come down and it's this big uh, reservoir. Um, it's, I think it's just, I think Cottonwood Pass comes just south of Leadville, maybe. Yeah. I think that's there's right. like a giant, there's like a, a giant Ironman race in Leadville. It's like a famous, uh, yeah, Leadville 100 mile. Yeah. Leadville 100. So anyway, um, we spent some time in Taylor park, had a blast, uh, Mecca for dirt biking and side by siding. Fishing was fantastic. So once we got over the initial three days of travel, everybody's kind of ready to, you know, choke each other out. And we got settled in to the beauty of Colorado and riding dirt bikes and, Things are working and, and you know, we're just having a blast, man. We're loving it. Absolutely loving it. And it's beautiful. The kids are in awe. 
Nancy has learned that riding dirt bikes is one of her favorite activities. She never knew this before. I've always been a big motorcycle dirt bike guy and she's kind of been like, yeah, whatever. Well, now she's in love with it. She's found a new favorite hobby, which is cool. The kids are really thriving. They're, you know, coming alive. We wrote, we got into a couple trails that were a little too hard for us, you know, but we just pushed through anyway. And then, you know, that thing I said where Nancy and I kind of trust people too much, that comes up again. So we bought this little kid's razor and I asked the guy I bought it from, hey man, what's up with the, you know, maintenance on thing, this thing, the mechanicals, like what do I need to do before we do this big trip? Man, it's good to go. Fresh oil change, fresh fluids, everything's solid, man. Chain, like just go ride it, brother. You're good. And I'm like stoked. I never checked the oil. Hmm. And I'm not a mechanically minded person, but I do know this. Engines need oil. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so I said I never checked the oil, but that's not fully true. I never checked the oil, uh, oil until the motor died on us way out in the woods one day and it we couldn't get it to crank back up. So it had been stalling and stalling for a couple of days. We've been riding the snot out of these things for like four or five days. And it's high elevation. Base camp is at like 9,000 feet, you know. We're not used to that. We're a couple, we're a family of hillbillies from North Carolina, you know. And I just kept thinking, okay, this motor is kind of stalling and acting weird because of the elevation, right? No, it was stalling and acting weird because it didn't have any oil in it. <laughs> and now you're out in the middle of nowhere. Were you trying to siphon oil from one of your other bikes or what do you do? No, you can't. Well, then you then you wreck the other bike. Yeah. Well, well, fortunate. And so we, it's not like we're going side by side and side by side. You know, we got dirt bikes in a side by side. So, well, fortunately I had enough sense to bring a few tools. And one of the things I brought with me was a toe strap. And so, um, me and JP traded his gas powered Honda 150. And I hooked the loop of the toe strap around the foot peg of that motorcycle and around the kids side by side. And, uh, we kind of towed it, pushed it, coasted it out of the woods. Fortunately, we did a trail that was base camp is at 9,000 and we rode a trail that probably went to 11, you know, something like that maybe. So the whole thing so far had been uphill, uphill, uphill. Now, of course, you know, trail goes up and down and, you know, around or whatever. So we couldn't totally coast the thing back to camp, but we could coast it a lot. And we were like coaching. So I'm like worried because, you know, you if you just stay on the brakes, you can like burn the brakes up and like lose your brakes. So I'm like coaching Seth, like, okay, Seth, if you lose your brakes, steer it into a tree, you know, like don't. <laughs> and he's like kind of like freaking out a little bit. Ruby's like panicked, you know, as the passenger. Uh, but it was fine. So we coasted it back down uh, and towed it a few miles to this kind of staging area where all these loggers had camped. And I was like, hey, look, I think I can drive the camper up here. It's not like a normal road. It's like a big, gnarly, gravel, crazy road. And we got a 44-foot fifth-wheel camper and a and a F450. So I, we, me and one other kid ride back down to base camp, load up uh, the bike I was riding in the trailer. And, and the kid rides in front of me because there's like logging trucks coming down like this one-lane mountain kind of gravel road. <laughs> I was more sketched out driving the truck and the camper up this mountain pass gravel logging road than any of the trails that we did. Sure. At, I mean, like 
10 times any of the trails that we did at all. So we finally make it to the top, no problems. And then I go to turn the camper around in this little open spot. The sand is soft and thick. I have to put it in four-wheel drive, almost get it stuck. Long story short, we got the thing loaded, got it back home uh, or back to back down to a reasonable area and started doing research and and looking at all these things and realized, man, the motor's seized, you know, like toast. So is it salvageable? Even with the, I mean, you can't just add some oil at that point, right? Is it usable? Well, that's part of the saga. It was a pretty low point. I started doing research. Can we just swap this motor? Yeah. Yeah, I'm not a mechanic, but it can't, it's like a, basically a go-kart. It can't be that hard, you know, watch some YouTube videos, modern in the age of information. I figure we can figure this out, you know, and it's, there's not a good option for that. I won't go into all the details, but there's aftermarket things where you got to weld and modify and brackets and that's no way. So my brother-in-law is very mechanical. I got some real good friends that are super mechanical. We started talking to them and they're like, look, man, pour some oil in it, get a, take the case off the end of the motor, turn it with a wrench, see if you can get it free and seize it up. And so that's what we started to do and um, worked on it for a few days. And then finally on the last, the next to last day of working on it, my, my second born son, Liam, who's very mechanically minded, um, we, we did the ratchet strap, you know, I mean the, uh, the, the socket set wrench, turn, turn, turn. And we bolted it all back together, tried to crank it, nothing like, dang it. Liam goes, dad, let's get your power drill out and the adapter and the socket and put that to the engine and spin it with the drill. Cause that'll make it spin fast enough so that any catches or friction or warp in the motor will work itself out. And I'm like, ah. I don't know. And then I'm thinking, we got nothing to lose, right. you know, like, yeah. like what's the worst that can happen? It burns up the motor on the little drill. Who cares? We go buy a new drill, you know? And, um, I, I texted my buddy, uh, Brent, who's an airplane mechanic. And I said, Hey, what do you think about this idea? He goes, brilliant. He goes, it's a great idea. That's awesome. Do it. And so we did. And, uh, we bolted it back up and I said, you know, you got to hold the brake pedal down to turn it. And Liam's on one side and I'm on the other. And I pushed the brake pedal. I said, son, I want you to do the honors. You turn the key. And he's like, all right. Turns it. Go, go, go. Boom. Nice. And the thing comes to life. Such an overjoyed moment. We're celebrating, you know, like excited, stoked, and just uh, living the dream. And it, like, okay, cool. We got this thing to work. And that was uh, really, really exciting. So there's a few neat things about that. There's tons of things in that. I'm sure you have a million other stories. I know we don't have unlimited time as your battery is dying and you have satellite internet and um, you, you've actually cut out ever so slightly a couple of times. Keep doing what you're doing. It's actually really, ah, really shoot. good for where you are. Okay. But the point is just for the listener, recognize where Perry is and we can still understand everything you're saying. Um, okay. But, you know, I mean, years from now, right? These are the fun stories. These are the stories your kids are going to remember and they're going to tell and remember that time. And sometimes the craziest stuff and the, the hardest stuff in the moments, the funniest stuff when you look back on it. But let's rewind a little bit. You know, we, we joked about National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, but really what was your intention going into this, right? I know, I know it's a moment for you, a time period for you, an adventure for you to be able to invest in your kids, to spend time with your kids, yeah. to have adventure with them. You talked about wanting to show them the rest of the country, but just sort of big picture, what is your intention here? What are you trying to accomplish and why, why take this crazy adventure 
with your family? That's such a great question. And there's so many different layers to the answer, really. Um, one is that our oldest son, JP, is 15. Our second born is 13. And those two kids are already at the cusp of not wanting to be gone away from their lives for an extended period of time. You know, they have work, they have social lives, they have, you know, responsibilities and different things. And um, when we told them, hey, we're, we're planning on going on an extended trip, you know, a couple months, they are, they're like, oh, that sounds awesome. And then their responsibility side was like, well, what am I going to do about work? What am I going to do about earning money? What am I going to do about my responsibilities? So they're already at 13 and 15 starting to have that kind of mindset and, and, you know, almost, I don't want to say it's a reservation, but maybe a hesitancy or a hiccup. And so we just felt like as a whole entire family, I know it sounds crazy, but our time is getting short. <laughs> right. I mean, it, we just recognize the reality of how fast time goes, how fast our kids grow up. We have an amazing director that's running our business right now. We hired her in January. Uh, we have uh, a great staff right now at the business. And so it, it just kind of felt like the stars were aligning, you know, and we had this little window to take the kids, take the family on an extended adventure. Cause you know, we love going, you know, everybody loves going to the beach for a week or, or going to the mountains for the weekend or whatever, but there's something really unique and special about an extended unopened, you know, un, uh, unscheduled, unplanned, like adventure, you know, where are we going to go? What's the, where's the horizon? And so we just felt like as much as I don't want to say it, this might be our shot at doing it as a whole family. Maybe we'll have time again next summer. I, maybe we won't. You never know. So it's kind of one of those seize the day moments, live the life that unfolds before you moments and seeing like, okay, we've got this window. Let's let's jump on it. We don't want to miss it. Yeah. So that was a, a big motivator. Another motivator is, um, like we both said, we want to show our kids more than uh, Rutherford County where we live and operate a business and et cetera. And the beach, you know, we, we love going to the beach. It's beautiful. It's amazing. But, but we want to broaden their horizons. We want to broaden their experience of culture and landscape and creation and different types of adventure, different types of, you know, opportunities to ministry to other people, et cetera, et cetera. So we want to show them that and have them that experience. And another thing that um, Nancy articulates really well, her family took her on a lot of, you know, on adventures when she was growing up. Um, and, and she remembers vividly on a trip that they did across the country growing up. They went to the Grand Canyon, family vacation, drive across the country, let's go see the Grand Canyon. And they stayed on the rim because that was kind of their family's level of, of, uh, outdoorsmanship and et cetera at that time as a family, right? Family unit. And she just remembers as a kid looking down at that Grand Canyon being like, I'm going to backpack down into the bottom of that one day. And then as she and I, as a married couple later in life, you know, pre-kids, that's exactly what we did. We went back and we backpacked down to the base of the Grand Canyon down the Colorado River. It is awesome. You know, we can backpack and trip, et cetera. And so we kind of almost want to give that some to our kids, you know, 
And yeah, we're doing a little bit more off the beaten path adventure, than, certainly than I did or that Nancy did growing up. And so that's cool. Uh, but we want to give our kids that little bit of, here's kind of a sample and, and, and instill in them this passion or this desire or this longing to like go deeper, you know, when they're a little bit older. So there's that element as well. Are they taking to that? So all kids are different as well. I'm thinking about my own family. I have a son. Sure. That's right. Yeah. He, he'd be perfectly happy never leaving home ever. Like, you know, it's like, well, we have to go to a different state. Uh, no, I'm, I'm good here. You know, let me just, <laughs> let me just hunt and fish. Yeah. Like, I don't, what do I care right. about the rest of the world? But I think it's our job as a father to expose them to it anyway. Like you said, while we have a little bit of control over that, let me expose it to you. And if you decide later in life, you never want to ever travel again, that's kind sure. of on you, but yeah, let me at least absolutely. expose you to it. So you can see, are your kids taking to it? You said they're enjoying seeing the new landscape and the trees and the mountains and all of that. How are they responding so far? Yes, they are uh, taking to that idea very well and the desire to explore and adventure and, and, you know, their wheels, their wheels are turning, you know, JP, the the eldest is already like, okay, I can outfit my truck with a rooftop tent and I can put my gear in the back and then I can, you know, I can spend some time traveling after I get out of high school, you know, and, and work odd jobs and see the world and, you know, have an impact for God's kingdom. We, we're big believers in this, the scripture that says, as you go, you know, bear witness as you go, preach the gospel as you go, be the hands and feet and mouthpiece for the Lord. So, you know, we believe there's ministry opportunities all the time, every day. And as we just, as we live our lives, as we go about our routine and our adventures and our, et cetera, you know, God calls us to ministry. You don't, we don't have to be going to a mission field in Africa to be the hands and feet or the mouthpiece of Christ. You know, we can do all kinds of things, you know, give a bottle of water to a homeless person on the side of the road as we travel, or we can help somebody in need with a flat tire or we can, you know, any of those multiple different things, but, um, or just be an encouragement to our brother or sister, you know, but, um, JP's already starting to talk like that, you know, like, okay, when I, when I graduate and when I, when I grow up and it's time for me to kind of spread my wings, he's like, I think I want to, you know, drive around the country and camp and travel a little bit and, and work and do some things. So that's kind of cool to see for sure. Yeah. What, what are the lessons learned? Would you say you guys have had, have you got, I'm imagining you've had some friction, right? How have the kids been? You already talked about being in close quarters for three days, but then you're able to sort of stretch your legs, stretch your feet. I'm assuming this is the longest you guys have been cooped up together in this type of an environment. Have they, do you think they're growing closer? Are they fighting all the time? How are you sort of fathering your kids in a potentially uncomfortable situation? Yes, it's definitely the longest in cooped up close quarters. And yes, they're growing closer and fighting all the time. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. To both, to all for sure. Uh, So we, uh, some things that we've done with success is normally we have our like spots where we ride in the truck. I'm driving, Nancy's sitting in the middle and JP's riding up front shotgun. And then the three other kids are in the back. And we found that sometimes the three other kids in the back pick at each other and bicker and gripe and Nancy will switch seats with somebody for a few hours. That helps. 
Um, and then, you know, there's just been a lot of, uh, parenting and ministering and training on the go, you know, we're teaching our kids about our, their tone of voice with others. You know, even if you're irritated, that doesn't mean you can lash out and bark at somebody in an ugly voice, a hateful tone, ugly words, you know, we're, we're just parenting on the go on the fly as it comes up. And so that's been really great. I mean, and that's how you parent anyway. Right. But um, it kind of gets mad. I think it gets magnified when you're in close quarters. Yeah. And we also, especially for JP, we try to give him a little bit of space. He's, he, he's uh, the kid who likes peace. He hates conflict. He wants everybody to get along. And so sometimes for him, even if he's not engaged in conflict, if those around him are engaged in conflict, it, it just adds a stress to his demeanor. Uh, that's not good for him. And so we work really hard. I mean, he's 15. Letting him wander off, you know, for a while. He's he's a, he's a very competent outdoorsman um, at 15 years old. And so we try to give him some space. Hey, man, why don't you just go take off for an hour or two hours? And he'll just walk off from camp on a trail and uh, sit on. He, he was sitting on a pile of rocks you know, a big, huge mound of rocks the other day for like two hours and just, just got away, you yeah. know, and that was good for him and, 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 and needed last night we got to camp late. It was a longer travel day, you know, over 400 miles. Um, and we got to camp last night. Nancy made supper for everybody. It was already dark by the time we got to camp and JP just kind of took off and, you know, the other kids like, where's JP? And we're like, ah, don't worry about it. And I, I mean, I literally didn't even know where he was and we're, we're in the middle of the woods in Idaho. And, uh, I was like, yeah, he's good. You know, he's just probably outside somewhere just needed a little space, eating his supper and some peace and quiet. Yeah. And so we kind of try to find those moments. Um, but you got to do that with balance. You know, I don't let Ruby, the 10 year old girl wander off. No, you know, right. Um, does that give a. It does. Yeah. It's meeting your kids where they are, recognize their different needs and their personalities and trying to give them the space to have what they need in the context of, hey, we're still traveling as a family. How about you and Nancy? I saw a post that she she made on Facebook, I guess, a couple of days ago, maybe when you guys got your internet, um, just about how you guys had kind of kicked the kids inside the camper to journal and do some, you know, spend some time alone. So you and Nancy could have a moment with the sunrise or sunset or whatever it was, but how are you, I mean, because it's a long time not to have any sort of alone time with your wife. How, how are you guys trying to manage that? And how are you nurturing? I imagine the journaling piece of things, how are you trying to shepherd any sort of spiritual growth and making sure they are reflecting on the experiences? What are, what are you doing intentionally for you and Nancy, but then also for your kids to sort of grow spiritually and otherwise on this trip? Sure. So we, we regularly pray together as a family so that, um, you know, that doesn't, change we continue to do that and then the kids we are uh encouraging them to journal uh and so they're writing their experiences down uh every day as we go about this adventure and so that's been really fun and we are constantly uh i mean we're just being who we are as spiritual leaders for the kids and so you know when we get into a little bit of calamity or mishap we're we're seeking the lord for guidance and help and when we experience some great beauty, we're we're praising his name and giving him glory and saying thank you. 
thank you, Jesus, for, you know, this experience and this beauty. And we're doing that in front of and with and around and, and together as a family. And I think that's a, a big part of just living out our faith, um, with them. And then for Nancy and I, you know, um, we do try to carve out a little bit of just peace and quiet alone time that it's hard to get that, uh, because sometimes you're in places where you can't just send the kids off. Um, I'm much more, I'm an outdoorsman and I, it's much more comfortable for me when we are in the middle of nowhere as a family with no other people around to give the kids, uh, longer leashes. Hey, go play. When we're in the middle of a campground with tons and tons of people, uh, you know, they don't get that same, there's not the same like, Hey, go. But anyway, so sometimes it's hard for Nancy and I to find that space. And um, so I'm glad that you brought that up. And I, it's a good challenge to me to make sure I'm cultivating and creating that more often. Um, so that's a great assignment for me for the second half of the trip. I'm going to be much more mindful of that. And, you know, honestly, it's, uh, it's a challenge in marriage. And Nancy and I are used to being together a lot. We... You know, I've been married over 20 years. We run a business together. We homeschool our kids together. So we uh, spend probably much more time together than the average married couple in America today. But yet it's still in close quarters for us. And so we still find uh, friction between us uh, that, you know, gets magnified some as well. And that's just a process of me being the leader and noticing, okay, maybe there's friction. Maybe she started it. Maybe I started it. It doesn't matter. But as a man, it's my job to push towards reconciliation and lead us in that direction and not let us stay in the mindset of conflict or friction or disagreement or dispute or or whatever you call it. But it's my job to turn that tide and, and recognize it and see it and go, oh, oh, no, we're going to be together on this. So sometimes that comes to me. That means me coming to her with an apology. Hey, babe, sorry, I'm cranky. I didn't eat enough food today. I'm probably just a little hangry. You know, will sure. you forgive me? Yeah, cool. All right, let's move forward, you know. But I I strive really hard and and I believe it's my role as the husband to steer that ship towards unity. And, and so I, I, yeah, I was going to say, and frankly, that's the same, the same mindset to take with our kids, right? Mm-hmm. Going before them saying, Hey, I know we're all getting a little testy, but you're the, you're the thermostat, not the thermometer. So you're setting, right. you're trying to set the tone. You're trying to, to create the peace when it's not there and, and just have the humility to swallow that's your right. pride a little bit. Apologize if necessary recognize what's going on and just address it head on and say, Hey, we're all going to pull back here. We're going to move forward more in harmony moving forward. So good. Yeah. hundred percent, hundred percent. And I've made a lot of those initiations, a lot of those apologies. Hey son, I'm really sorry. I spoke to you with an ugly tone. I, I shouldn't have done that. You know, I was cranky about this or that, not an excuse, you know, but yeah, for sure. That that's, that's happened a lot. <laughs> <laughs> and and here's a question that maybe you can noodle for the next month because I know you you're still on the road for a while and uh you know a lot more adventures and a lot more trying times and and my question for you 
for a month from now is just going to be, how have you grown as a father from this trip? And so just really kind of be conscious of that. How can you grow? How can you be intentional about building that? And like you said, maybe it's just building the, I'm sorry, will you forgive me muscle? Um, But sort of keep that in the back of your mind. As we just kind of wrap up, any other fun stories you want to share? Any, it was like the craziest thing that's happened. Obviously, you had the motorcycle mishaps. Um, I don't know, funny stories from around the campfire, major yeah. mess ups, anything that uh, you guys spoiled all your food and went hungry for a day and a half. Like what, uh, any, <laughs> any fun stories you can sort of leave us with and then we'll let you get on your, your day's adventure. But any final stories as we sort of wrap up this episode? Yeah, absolutely. And then I think I'll maybe I'll tell you a good a great story and then and then kind of maybe two principles that uh maybe could be themes that we've learned and can can try to live by. Please. Uh, so the fun the fun story is this. Um <laughs> so I love Google Maps on the phone. Nancy loves Apple Maps, whatever, who cares? It doesn't matter. One's not right and one's not wrong. Usually. <laughs> So we have found that we try to camp on uh, BLM lands, which is not Black Lives Matter. That's not what that stands for. Uh, It's Bureau of Land Management, and it's like public lands that you can just go camp on. You don't have to pay for. There's no services. You know, there's no pit toilets, no water. So you have to be completely sufficient. But uh, we we try to find that as much as we can because, hey, we're out for two months. Uh, That that doesn't – and we don't have the budget or, frankly, the desire to stay at a campground um, every night. It's too expensive. So anyway, we're trying to find this BLM land, and we she finds it on Google Maps. Uh, Rabbit – Rabbit – oh, now I don't even know the name of it now. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, She finds it on Google Maps, and then we're like, oh, cool. We look at it on the satellite. It's a big parking lot. It's awesome. This looks great. Because remember, we're towing a 44-foot triple-axle house. And then she switches over to Apple Maps to, to navigate me there and, and direct me and drive me there. It was um, supposed to be a short, easy travel day. It was the day that we got the little side-by-side running again. So we were just going to short, quick travel. Well, it turned out to be like an eight-hour travel day. And at the end of the evening, we we're driving to this crazy canyon the state park and then we turn off from that and we start driving well it goes to like dirt roads it goes to barbed wire fences it goes to no posted no trespassing signs this road is um like a literally a lane and a half wide and um the beginning of the road it says no outlet and we look at it on the map and, and it's like oh yeah you know 4.7 miles in is this you know blm quote-unquote campground area basically a big parking lot, that'll be a place easily big enough to turn around. And I'm like, uh, we get to the end and I just kind of in your, you know how like sometimes in your gut, you're like, ah, uh, this one doesn't, this doesn't feel right. So I open up the camper, I get one of the motorcycles and I just bomb down the road to try to find it. Well, it's, I'm in shorts and a t-shirt. It starts raining. It's cold. I can't see. I don't have a helmet on, but I'm like flying down the road to try to find this campsite. I'm gone for 15 or 20 or 30 minutes. I don't know. And I sort of think, well, they're probably worried about me. It'll be down this road, I'm sure. So I just turn around and come back, load everything up. We're like, ah, it'll be fine. We'll figure it out. So we just start driving down this lane and a half wide road, ditches on either side, banks on the side, you know, and we start getting deeper and deeper into it. And in the back of my mind, I'm going, how am I going to turn around? How am I going to turn around? How am I going to turn around? 
the rain is coming down. You can't see very well. It's muddy, you know, no trespassing. One of the signs, I'm not making this up, said armed guards. Don't even think about it. <laughs> Area 51, you're just, I mean. Uh, no, it's more like a hill. It's more, I mean, I don't think they actually had armed guards. I think it's just their funny right. sign, you yeah. know, but. It's like beware of dog, even if you don't have a dog. Yeah, but I mean, literally every single little driveway was like no trespassing, violators prosecuted, you know, whatever. Ammo's ammo's cheap. There won't be a a, a warning shot, you know, kind of signs like that. And we get to a spot where there's like a cattle gate, and it's a, clearly like an eighteen wheeler turnaround. And I'm like, okay, guys, this is kind of the point of no return. I know we can turn around right here, and we're just like, nah, it'll be fine. So we just keep driving, like probably a mile and a half more from there. And we get to the spot on the map where it says this is the camping area and there's private property, no trespassing signs everywhere. And we're just like, Oh, now what? (laughs) (laughs) And we look at, of course we have no cell signal anymore. Right. And so we had looked at the map and we saw that the road dead ended about another, maybe mile from that. And so we're like, well, surely at the end of the road, there'll be a big turnaround, a big cul-de-sac where you can turn around. Let's just drive out there and see what happens. It'll be fine. We can turn around. So we drive another mile deep into the woods and we get there and there's, there is a cul-de-sac, but it goes from a lane and a half to like two and a half lanes. Well, brother, that is not enough space to turn around a F-450 and a 44 foot camper. I tried and it's muddy and raining. We almost get stuck. We get pinned in there like jack knight and i'm like oh no this is bad if i go any further we're gonna legitimately like be stranded so i back up a little bit and i drive up the person's driveway that says absolutely no trespassing maybe a hundred yards because i got to get the thing straightened out yeah and then i back that son of a gun two plus miles down this mountain oh, twisty my gosh dirt just muddy road with ditches on either side in the rain and the whole family's just like, ah, <laughs> your blood pressure's through the roof. Hearts pounding yes, out of your chest. Yes. Yes. Re- yes. It was nuts. It, it, I mean, reverse it all the way. Uh, I don't know how far it was cause we didn't have a signal, but easily over two miles. I don't think it was three, but back to that spot where we saw the cattle loading gate and the wide spot for the 18 wheeler to turn around. And we turned around and the, uh, the celebration that came within the truck in that moment, just eruption. Everybody's like, yeah, we're exhausted. We still have, you know, two and a half more hours to drive out of the woods. Cause we had driven ourselves two and a half, two hours into, you know, the middle of nowhere. And then you got to find a place still. Cause that's where you had anticipated camping. <laughs> so we found a place outside of, uh, is it Fruita or Fruita? I don't know how to pronounce it. You know, I've lived right? in Colorado. I've passed it. I've seen it. And I'm not sure how you pronounce it. Okay. I've heard both ways. It looks like yeah. Fruita to me, but I don't know. Uh, anyway, we found a place um, outside of there at a state park and we rolled in. I mean, way after dark, Nancy yanks the grill out, sets it on the table and throws some hot dogs on the grill. We ate hot dogs and buns, nothing else, you know, maybe a little mustard, and we sat around that night just laughing, camaraderie, like the unity in our family that night of all the things was the strongest and and the most palpable. It was the most tangible. Like you, it was like we were just one, you know, unit. It was 
it was awesome. We laughed. We stayed up late. We had a great time that night uh, after that little bit of uh, of mishap and and mayhem. So that was good times. I love it. Bo- <laughs> bonding for sure. You guys went through something together and came out the other end. So that leads maybe to the. You said you wanted to share two principles to sort of yeah. live by and that you've you've learned and sort of grown in on this trip so far. Yeah, for sure. So one of them is the ability to pivot. You know when things aren't going like you want. So we we planned on being in Colorado the first month and then Utah and Arizona the second month. And we were in the high desert of Colorado yesterday and it was over 100 degrees. I know there's this little heat wave going through, but and everything we looked at was like, we're going to Moab, Utah, and it's going to be 100 degrees forever. And we just decided, you know what the heck with that? Change of plans. We're going to go to Idaho, Montana, Wyoming. We're going up north where it's a little bit cooler. And today I'm sitting here with a puffy jacket on and, uh, you know, a family that's really stoked not to be right thrilled with your trying decision, trying not to ride dirt bikes in a hundred degree weather. Um, and so I think that's a really key life lesson and I'm working very hard at trying to put a magnifying glass on that and te- and tease it out to my children and say, look, this is an important life skill. You have to be able to pivot. You have to be able to make an assessment on the plan that you had and, and, and change and shift when necessary. This is vital to being successful at life, whether that be with your family, your, your marriage, your walk with Christ, your business with everything, you know, you got to be able to pivot and, and shift gears. So we're definitely fly by the seat of our pants. People, we're not planners. We have no reserve. We came out here and we have zero reservations anywhere for this whole trip, campgrounds, uh, activities, nothing. And so sometimes that's challenging because you get where you need a place to stay and you don't have one and you gotta, you gotta scramble late at night and figure it out. And other times it works out beautifully like this because we thought we wanted to be in Utah and Arizona. And now that we're out here, we go, no, no, that's not what we want to be doing. So that's an important life lesson. Yeah, I'll interject a quote. So when I was researching quotes and just reading some stuff uh, for this episode, I found this quote by Lao Tzu. He says, a good traveler has no fixed plans and is not intent on arriving. So it oh, sounds like, yeah. yeah, I mean, that's that's your guy's motto right now, right? No fixed plans. Yeah. Let's go where the wind blows us. Let's have adventure. It's not about arriving. It's about the the journey itself. And so yeah. love that. That's beautiful. Yeah, that's a great quote. And uh, the other thing is perseverance. And I want to share back to the story of the blown seized motor and honor my son, Liam, because frankly, I was ready to give up. After a few days of working on that, I I had kind of thrown my hands up and been like, dude, this isn't going to work. We blew it. We ruined the motor. You can't run a motor hard for four days with no oil and expect it to crank again. You know, like right. that's a pipe dream. This is a pipe dream. What are we doing? And we had taken it apart, put it back together, taken it apart, put it back together. Didn't work, didn't work, all the things. And it was a morning that we needed to leave camp at a, by a certain time and we needed to get on the road to the next place, et cetera. And I was just over it. And Liam was like, dad, I really think we can get this motor going. And I'm like, son, I really don't think we can. <laughs> <laughs> and he just had hope and perseverance when I didn't. And I was able to pivot from what I wanted to do 
you know, all the response, oh, we got to get the whole family. We got to pack everything up. We got to clean up camp. We got to get to the next spot. Like, right. Those are all the things in my mind that have to happen. We got this deadline and Liam just has perseverance. I'm not ready to give up on this yet, dad. And so I laid down what I wanted to do, which was throw in the towel and said, okay, son, I'll shift gears. Instead, you know, this, 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 instead of doing all these things, we're going to unbolt this thing one more time. We're going to put the power drill to it and we're going to see what happens. And that was the final step that got the thing to, you know, we got it running with his idea to put the power drill to it and his idea and his perseverance. And I think all too often it's easy, you know, you get to that last, I don't know if there's a saying, but like that last or you know like right before i see a lot of times i think people in business you know you get right to the almost to the finish line and you're just weary of it and you kind of stop but you you know you didn't know how close you were to achieving the goal That's you right. know, or achieving the objective and this was one of those things where it was like I, I, I if it was just up to me i would have thrown in the towel and i was like literally that close to achieving the objective but thankfully my son had that you know kid faith and that kid spirit of do it and uh and i listened to that instead of being practical and going no uh so that was a big dad win and it's a big life lesson to be reminded of as you know human beings right when you think you're done right when you think you got to give up stay the course finish the race, keep fighting, you know, the finish line is just on the other side. I love that. I love the story, love the learning. And I would say that's also partially an answer to my my question and challenge earlier, which is how have you grown as a father? Being willing to learn from your son too, realizing yeah. you don't have all the answers. And it's it's fun when they get to that age and they're starting to get, they are starting to actually know some things and have some ideas and, yeah. and hey, I, I as the father don't necessarily have all the answers maybe I can listen to you and I can learn yep. some things I can grow. And, and that really encourages him too. Right. And that empowers him and helps him feel good and proud about, you know, his ideas and what he's doing. And so definitely a fatherhood win and definitely a good fatherhood growth moment for you. So love that. Thanks brother. Thanks. Cool. Well, I will, I'll let you get back to your adventure, but it uh, sounds like you have internet now. And so we'll look forward to having you on regular future episodes as you finish out your journey, as you're able to. Can't wait to hear more stories as you move forward. So I know the listeners are are glad to have you back and uh, excited for the upcoming episodes we have, uh, but mostly just excited to yeah reconnect and, and see you again and have you part of the show. Thanks, brother. It's been great to be back on with you. And like I said earlier, as you as we popped on to the Zoom and I got to uh, got to see your face and your office and all the stuff. And man, I've missed missed being with you, missed, uh, you know, talking this way and having these mindful fatherhood conversations. I've, I've missed it a lot. So it's so good to be back and um, look forward to future episodes coming up soon. Absolutely. Well, say hi to your family. Get to it. And for the listeners, we appreciate you, your faithfulness and and showing up and listening and and growing and striving to be better fathers. And so, uh, yeah, we just appreciate you. Be blessed. Have a great week. And we'll talk with you on the next episode of the Faithful Fatherhood Podcast. Take care, everyone. I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying.